0: We extend a special welcome to those who are lesbian, gay, bisexual and trans as well as to all those who are heterosexual and cisgender. Whether you are as camp as Christmas or as stealth as a spy, whether you are single, partnered or polyamorous, whether you fought for equal marriage or find the whole thing archaic, you are welcome
1: here. In this edition of the Community Business Fix, we're in Manchester, taking up the invitation of the proud trust at the UK's only purpose-built LGBT plus centre.
0: For those of you who are fleeing homophobia, biphobia and transphobia and are seeking asylum or refugee status, we are pleased you are here and you are our neighbours.
1: The centre is home to the Sydney Street Cafe, where, in the entrance, a poster proclaims Proud's welcoming philosophy. If
0: you are hungry, you are welcome. For all you hippie vegans, meat reducers, and for those who just like great, affordable, homely food, then let us feed you.
1: For Nice, now a cafe worker here, the poster was the first thing they saw when coming for a job interview.
2: I remember sitting down at a table waiting to be interviewed and reading their poster, and then one of the people who works here came and sat down with me and chatted to me and welcomed me. And I was like, whether I get the job or not, I want to like come back and volunteer here because this is a really special place to be.
1: My name's Neil Roberts, and this is the Community Business Fix, the podcast that sheds light on communities taking matters into their own hands, supported by Power To Change, the independent trust that supports community businesses in England. By their very nature, community businesses are inclusive and some make their presence felt at pride parades across the country celebrating LGBT rights. But year-round, they all try to provide safe and inclusive spaces for people to be themselves, explore their identities and discover new opportunities in a supported way. Today we're visiting The Proud Trust, the largest LGBT youth organisation in England. It was set up in 2005 to meet the needs of the young LGBT people of Greater Manchester and the North West. Their Sydney Street cafe is open to everybody and it's popular. It was recently featured in a Guardian top 10 list of vegan cafes. Ali Hanbury is the centre manager.
3: The evidence nationally and locally tells us that LGBT people still experience quite a lot of discrimination, oppression negative assumptions, and the fallout of that means that they often have breaks in education, might experience homelessness, um, they might be estranged from their families, so where that might happen or the risk of that might happen, we provide youth services, training, education, resources, and a place where they feel that they can be welcomed and celebrated in their identities.
1: Initially, the support centre wasn't open during the day, but six years ago, when the proud trust took over management of the space, located in the main university district of Manchester, they wanted to make it more vibrant, a hub to offer support to as many people as they could. So they decided to open a community cafe.
3: It would be a soft contact space where people could come in without having to make any major disclosures, without having any major issues, but could, if they wanted to, be in a space where they could access information about other services and groups that run. So we were very clear that the cafe would be used by anybody, so nobody was kind of policed on the way in or out, it was open to the public with the understanding that it's housed in an LGBT centre and therefore the majority of staff volunteers would identify as LGBT.
1: With some small grants, including one from B&Q, the team took on the decorating and construction work themselves and set about transforming what had previously been used as the staff room.
3: It was a really good space that was underutilised and we could kind of really make it a much more vibrant community space by having it open to the public in the daytime so everybody needs to eat (laughs) so that's how it started really. So we opened it two days a week and, and saw how it went really, got some volunteers on board and it was successful, people responded quite well to it. Being a veggie, vegan cafe as well in this area, with kind of good politics and not-for-profit, it kind of felt like a, a nice match for the area. And then slowly over the years we started to increase to three days a week, and then five days a week, which is currently what we're operating at now.
1: Philosophically, and as a business model, from its opening, the cafe operated differently from the other businesses in this area of Manchester.
3: We are about a seven or eight minute walk from the main kind of LGBT gay village if you like and we are quite clear that we offer something quite different from the establishments up there, the businesses up there, most of which are profit making and most of which are kind of revolving around the nighttime economy of alcohol use so we're a dry exclusively dry venue. We have lots of recovery groups, youth groups, faith groups so in order to distinguish ourselves as something slightly different, we're kind of set slightly back from that scene, if you like.
1: Steph Champion has managed the cafe for eight months, but has been involved with the Proud Trust since she first worked as a volunteer on their allotment. She and her team, including Nice, are happy to admit that the cafe has to be extra enticing because it's currently not in the most inviting setting.
4: The building that we're at, we're within, it's been there for 30 years, You walk in and it has this just really warm, lovely energy but if you looked at it and it didn't have that, you'd be like, why is anyone in here still? (laughs) Because it's really run down, you know, our door sticks, we've got a leaky porch, when it rains it sounds like people applauding, you can't hear yourself think.
1: The walls are adorned with historical artefacts and up-to-date posters advertising events and groups that use the other rooms connected to the cafe. One of those rooms doubled as a meeting space and library when we visited the main cafe space was full with around 20 people enjoying lunch together all cooked fresh by max niece and the team
4: we prepare freshly the food every day so salads curries chilies and everyone gets involved in that we have a volunteer that sets up the front and makes the kind of cafe feel and look nice and then we open our doors at 11. We have a rush between sort of 12 and 2 where people come in for lunch. Our curries are always popular and our soups. Totally vegetarian, vegan, gluten-free, wherever
2: we can manage, uh, which is most of the time. We have classic mainstays that people always come back for. Like we, we try our best to keep track of what people are buying. and It's just nice, gentle, friendly, affordable cuisine There's and are perfect for a lunch hour.
4: It's that push and pull between creating a professional kitchen and making sure that we're pushing out really high quality food and that we're supporting the volunteers with the processes and the things in their lives that they feel they would like support with. It's people first.
1: In the evening, the cafe becomes the venue for youth groups and a couple of times a month, a space for those who want to be creative. Here's Steph and one of the regular customers, and fundraisers, Despina.
4: It provides a kind of soft contact space for people who are perhaps curious about what happens within the walls of an LGBT plus centre, or perhaps they're curious about their own identity, their sexual identity their sexuality or their gender identity and so it provides an opportunity for people to come in, see what's going on and then make contact with us and we then start to think about what support they might need, where they might want to get involved in other parts of the organisation It was very important for me when I came out, not this space specifically, but
0: to have a space, to have a, you know some forums where I could discuss these issues or some forums where I would meet like you know people like myself in a non-romantic way
1: The importance of that safe space can't be over-exaggerated It's core to Proud's philosophy and as we've heard in previous episodes of this podcast at the heart of many community businesses Here's Sam again who we heard reading out the poster at the beginning of the show
0: Young people who come to our groups might also bring a friend here They sometimes might bring a new date here particularly if they're worried if it might go wrong They feel like this is a safe space to kind of try that out We also find that sometimes young people just kind of come in and do their revision.
1: The staff are of course on hand to lend their support. But as Steph explains, it's also about creating an environment in which people feel comfortable using the space.
4: We have gender-neutral toilets, our toilets say about what is behind the door rather than who they are for, meaning that they don't need to be asked the question about what gender they are just to go to the toilet. There's lots of information about our groups that we run and when people come in you can sort of tell whether someone's popped in for lunch or whether they've popped in to see what's going on and we just really make people feel welcome. We might say, or is it your first time here? Tell them a bit about our services. Our staff team and our volunteers are always really, really happy to tell people about the support that we can offer and some of them have received that support themselves so they're really, really great advocates for us.
0: Many of our volunteers are kind of young people who come to our groups who maybe are struggling to get a job, who maybe find themselves unable to work at the moment because they have mental health difficulties. They might be suffering, for example, with anxiety, which might cause them real problems in going into a new place of work and they don't feel able to do that. But because they already attend the groups, they know the space, they know the people, it can be a really safe place for them to work. And in terms of LGBT inclusion, not all workplaces are LGBT inclusive and a lot of them might not realise that, Um, so for someone who's transgender for example who might really struggle with people calling them the wrong gender pronoun, they don't have to worry about that here, it's a really safe place. That kind of has a knock-on effect really as well for the the people who come to the cafe because when you're being served by LGBT staff members who are kind of proud of that and it's really a safe space to, to be LGBT, it makes it safe for them as well.
4: It's that sense of community, that sense of knowing other people with the same or similar life experiences that provides that supportive environment. It's just a breath of fresh air
1: for folk, really. Bex is one of the volunteers.
5: It's allowed me to just be myself and and embrace that and embrace everything about myself and uh, I've witnessed that with, with so many other people, whereas in, in other situations they could probably feel maybe a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit anxious, as we all can, and to be here and be surrounded by such a positive vibe, positive people and, and environment, people are just able to relax and be themselves.
0: So we're really explicit about that. We talk about, you know, however society disables you, whatever your ethnicity, whatever your religion, whatever your kind of period in recovery, we we make it really explicit that we do welcome everyone and that the the only requirement to be in this space is that you are open-minded
1: and are kind. Running a community business is a challenge in itself. Making sure it's inclusive and offers its services to a diverse range of people only adds to those challenges. Here's Edward Walden, Power to Change's Diversity and Inclusion Coordinator.
6: When you're running a community business, it can be difficult to think about things like diversity and inclusion. Not because it isn't important, but because people are, as usual, very busy. At Power to Change, we know how important it is to have a diverse range of people being given the power to become involved because it means the community business is really connected to its people, it's run by the people, with the people, based upon their needs. And of course, that's where community business comes from. One of the ways that I've heard people say Power to Change has helped is that we have quite a broad range of funding opportunities which it sounds dull, but what that practically means is that organisations who wouldn't necessarily have been able to ever get off the ground um, without Power To Change's interesting and flexible funding patterns, and they might never have existed. And so we kind of help more of them exist to then go on to do more interesting things. And that can tend to make a big difference because it is often the unusual or slightly quirky smaller organisations that go on to do really transformative
1: things. Edward will be sharing places to get help and support at the end of the show. A safe space gives those who use and work in it room for self-development and the confidence to learn new skills, which they can then share... Here's Centre Manager Ali on the current setup at Sydney Street Cafe.
3: So at the moment we have three part-time members of paid staff. So we have a three-day week post for a cafe manager, assistant manager and a cafe worker. And then they support between eight and ten active volunteers. Over the year that fluctuates we tend to have quite an increase because of where we're located in Manchester, we're in the University District really. So we tend to get a spike in interest September-October when the students come back. We're currently required to, for our funding, support about 20 over the year. And somebody like Bex has been with us for five and a half years, six years.
5: I will try and um, volunteer a couple of times a month. That's all I can kind of commit to at the minute. I did start off sort of once a week. So what I'll come in and do is a few hours over the busy lunch period, and I'll, my main role is really to serve customers. A lot of people will come in and ask about support groups. It's about, you know, signposting and, and advising
4: people. We have an induction uh, process for new volunteers. So We train people on knife skills, how to cook certain ones of our dishes. We then ask that our volunteers complete their food hygiene certificate so everyone gets an opportunity to do that. And I think really one of the main things around employment skills is about confidence and how to present yourself and how to talk about yourself. So lots of our volunteers were incredibly shy when they started coming to volunteer. And it's about that confidence to kind of be who you are and talk with other people that means that people have been able to kind of go on to different work, really. Some of the volunteers are volunteering whilst they look for other work um, and having something on their CV, which they're actively involved in and taking a, you know, making a real important contribution is really helpful for them seeking
1: work. And it's not all about volunteering. Youth worker Sam Cresswell explains. Not everyone wants to be a youth worker and that's certainly not what we expect. But actually young people who
0: do want to get into youth and community work, they're already in a space with us where we can help facilitate that. So of course we're we're going to do that. And it's something that's really important when you're looking at kind of marginalised communities. You find that... Often the people that you uh, would ideally like to be available for a job aren't there because of all those marginalisations that have happened in the past. So they may be less likely to have a degree, they're less likely to have all of these experiences and and qualifications that you need. So if we can actually go into our youth groups and, and grow those people up. They already know exactly what we're about, how to do it, what the kind of essence and ethos of, of youth and community work is, so they can help to recreate that and, and create new things out of that as well, really
1: bring in some fresh perspectives too. Part of that development is also about nurturing new talent. As we've highlighted before in other episodes, to survive, community businesses have to become sustainable, both financially and in staff terms. The leaders of the future might well be the volunteers of the present it's a really important principle
0: of community development is it has to be sustainable really so it's about kind of passing on down skills and knowledge and taking a step back when other people are able to kind of take on those roles for themselves and allowing that to expand as communities do when they kind of support and skill each other
1: up as well max is a prime example of that one of many who've benefited from proud trust support here's ali again
3: max started volunteering maybe three or so years ago, maybe a bit longer actually. So he came first, volunteered for a little while and then we didn't see Max for a bit and then came back and had kind of changes had happened in his personal life and was able to get volunteer a little bit more with us and was working around the corner in a fast food place. Didn't really enjoy that. And then we got a, a grant in and, and had a role. So he was able then to apply for that cafe worker role and was successful. We took him on and then the cafe assistant manager role was vacant and he applied for that and was successful at that as well. So he's kind of come up through the ranks, if you like, and has been supported in lots of elements of kind of moving house, family relationships, kind of thinking about his faith and his identity. Obviously the cafe is a paid-for cafe. We try to keep our prices as af- affordable as possible we want to never outprice the kind of poorest young person we work with basically so everything is always really affordable if people really were down on their luck and weren't able to afford something that they would be gifted free meals
1: so that community philosophy combined with great food helps fill the tables at Sydney Street Cafe but there's another important factor behind its success which brings us back to where we always begin with these shows it's a place for people to come together who sometimes just need somebody to talk to. Here again are Niece, Bex, and first, Ali.
3: A lot of it is to do with people feeling less isolated, more connected, more part of a community, understanding their identity in a more positive and celebratory way rather than seeing it in a deficit way or something that could cause them harm. And a lot of people develop kind of connections and supportive friendships through other volunteers or accessing other groups that that run here so Bex for example has volunteered here for ages has been to lots of lovely events with us on socials has been to award ceremonies is now kind of volunteered to run a discussion group here around the Manchester 10k run with us last weekend you know so there's kind of all of those things that are the added benefits that you can't always pinpoint when somebody first comes to volunteer. Often people say, well, I want to boost my CV or, you know, learn how to cook. Often that's not why they're here. They're here because they've just come out, or they don't know how to come out yet, and they just want to be somewhere where they see other LGBT people in a way that isn't apologetic or problematic.
2: When I worked in my previous job, it was in a town where I couldn't, really dressed the way I wanted like I tried and it led to certain like awkward moments and scary moments and having a place to come that I can truly like express myself is a really special thing for me cuz I've never really been able to do that and therefore get comfortable with it
5: Without sounding too cheesy, this building has literally changed my life. I have grown so much in confidence and my kind of people skills have grown.
2: Coming here and uh, having a chance to like cook food and also bring in my own ideas and my own recipes and present them and have them like incorporated into our menu and see them go up is really fulfilling. This is like the best job I've ever had in terms of finding, like, a fulfilling role that allows me to do something I'm passionate about, which is food, and do it in a way that will give back to a community I'm incredibly passionate about.
1: So what does the future hold for those who work in that eccentric old building, where, when it rains, it sounds like a round of applause, where the roof leaks, but the food is great, where people can come together to find companionship and acceptability and safety. The Proud Trust is not an organisation which will ever stand still. Steph says they want literally to shed light on the diverse possibilities of how we live today.
4: We've raised £2.4 million for a new, a new building. We're tripling the size, it's going to be three storey, we'll have a nice reef garden. Um, The cafe is going to be huge. One of the main things that we're all very excited about is that it will have windows. So when the building that we currently inhabit was built in the 1980s, there are windows, but they're very high and very small. And it was a sort of, well, if we're going to build a gay center, let's make it safe for the people who use the center and also to shield outsiders from the gay lifestyles and you think in our lifetime you know that's something that's changed and it's you know it's so brilliant to see.
1: A grant from Power to Change will help them fit out the new bigger cafe.
4: Equality is better for everyone, inclusive spaces are better for everyone. So we're really near Manchester Metropolitan University and Manchester University and um It's really helpful to have a space that people can go into, which is queer. So not everyone feels they fit into mainstream spaces. And lots of people come to our cafe who are allies, who want something that's perhaps socially motivated, politically motivated, a space to be. And they want to support something that's a community venture. And it helps to demystify LGBT plus lifestyles, it helps to demystify what happens within the walls of an LGBT plus centre and just creates a bit more transparency and a bit more openness, really.
1: The last words there from Steph Champion. If you're running a community business and want to be inclusive and offer your services to as diverse a group of people as possible, here's Edward Walden from Power to Change with some ideas.
6: Start off with something general that covers the basic legal facts, like the Equality and Human Rights Commission, and then seek out those specific, experienced individual organisations in particular fields, whether that's about gender reassignment or about disability or about pregnancy and maternity. It's easiest to get the best advice um, by focusing the topics that you're looking forward
1: to. Thanks for those tips from Edward Walden from Power to Change. And if you want to find out more, check out our show notes. If this story has inspired you to set up a community business or to explore how to make your community business diverse and inclusive, delve into the rest of our shows and check out powertochange.org.uk where you can find the latest news on events, other funding and support. We'd love to hear your thoughts and your experiences that connect with the show on Twitter at The CB Fix. And we like to get these stories to as many people as possible, so we'd love it if you could share the show with at least one person you know that might benefit from hearing it. And don't forget to subscribe to The Community Business Fix on your favourite podcast app. Thanks for listening to this Fieldwork production commissioned by Power to Change. It was presented by me, Neil Roberts, with research and production by Curtis James, Co production, sound and music by Simon James. Writing and executive production by Chris Paling.